Welcome to a very special episode of No Crying in Baseball. It's the Hall of Fame Boyfriend Challenge. Potty Mouth and I are going to try to sell you the four Hall of Fame inductees as potential boyfriends. But before we go any farther, I have a question for you out there. Have you subscribed yet to our podcast? I have. I have. I have, too. I hope everybody listening stops what they're doing and hits that subscribe button so they don't miss an episode because this one is a very special extra episode and you might not have known to look for it, but if you had subscribed, it would just appear like magic. Anyway, it's Hall of Fame Boyfriend Day and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. And I'm looking forward to this mini ep and talking about some boyfriends who are in the right age range, may I add. So there's a bonus. There's a bonus. Good. Should I start off? I think you should. I guess I'm starting off with maybe a little bit of a youngin for our age range. Vladimir Guerrero age 42. I don't think that's out of range. I'm I just think, saying. Well, it's, it's better than any current Ex- player. Yep. yep. So, so there we go. Um, I'm very excited to be talking about Guerrero because we've mentioned him or I've mentioned him, especially in previous podcasts. Um, this is his second ballot. And last year he just barely missed. So he was pretty much expected to get in and we were both rooting for him. And as was his entire country of the Dominican Republic, he's actually the first Dominican hitter to get into the Hall of Fame. There have been two pitchers. One, the the previous one, Pedro Martinez, one of my idols from the Red Sox. And before that, Juan Marical in 1983 was the first Dominican who's definitely uh, honored and remembered in the island. And it's such a big deal for the folks in the Dominican Republic that Guerrero went back and they had a full-on parade. They had a um, uh, merengue concert in, in both in the capital. And then later, there were another series of concerts in his hometown. So the whole island is in party mode. And I really wish that I could go investigate what the party reception is like I think like reporting right on the scene would be the right thing to do in that case. It, it totally would. But that kind of love is is really merited for Guerrero because he really represents the Dominican Republic and he came from nothing. He grew up incredibly poor. There are stories about him actually drinking from puddles because they didn't have running water in the God. shack that he lived in. And then if if it wasn't bad enough, I forget which hurricane it was, but it ripped off the roof of his house so that the family of seven actually had to sleep in one room in two beds. Um, his family ties are so strong that when he was finally drafted up here, I think he was drafted at age 16, but when he finally went into the majors, he brought his mom up to live with him. So not just bringing his mom up to get her out of the Dominican Republic, improve her, her way of life, but to cook for him. He wanted mom's cooking. He wanted to be with his mom. And he, she actually cooked so much that he would bring the leftovers to the rest of the team. And the Expos really appreciated Mrs. I'm sure Guerrero's they did. Home cooking. cooking. Yeah. So that's, you know, a tie-in to who he played for. He was really known as the, the man of the Expos for eight years. But he's going into the Hall of Fame with an Angels cap. So he was eight years Expos, six years Angels. But with the Angels, and, and actually he grappled over this because he was so loved in Montreal. Um, but with the Angels, he went to the postseason, and that was a big deal. And also he was with the Angels when he got MVP, another big deal. He was—the only time I think I actually saw him play 
was for the Orioles in his last year. And I think he was just de- designated hitter by then, but he was in the outfield in his early years. And I was not happy to see him play against my <laughs> beloved Red Sox. But what can you do? He was he was an amazing hitter. He was amazing at everything. He was a, a huge man known for having very long arms and a great reach, both in the outfield and at the plate. He retired. His overall average was 318 for a career, which included 13 seasons over 300. And the thing about Guerrero is that he would swing at anything. But unlike most home run hitters who swung at anything, he he didn't strike out much. So it was bizarre. Um, Even Pedro Martinez said that Vladdy has no strike zone. He would just swing all over the place. Um, He, at that point, when people realized they started walking him. And so what, that's another sort of mark that he's fifth overall for intentional walks. Pitchers just didn't want oh, to Oh, intentional walks because you couldn't it, walk him otherwise because he'll swing at anything. Exactly. Right. Oh, he would it. swing at anything. He would even swing at balls that bounced before they hit home plate. He got a home run off of a ball that bounced before it hit I home plate. I didn't know it was legal to swing to hit those balls. I go figure. Right. He did it. He did it. And, and then they asked him, where did you get that kind of range? I mean, the big arms, but also just that instinct. And there was a game that he played as a child in the Dominican Republic called La Plaquita. And Placa is a, is a um, license plate. So what they would do is they would balance the license plate on something, a, a stone or a piece of wood, and the pitcher was trying to knock the license plate off of what it was balancing on. So the batter's job was to swing to save that to, license plate. To, to prevent plate. the pitcher from hitting the target. Exactly. And they were <laughs> throwing like <laughs> bottle caps So you had rocks. to swing at everything. Exactly. I so like that's it. how he learned how to do that. He also said that he learned how to swing at everything from playing PlayStation. So he actually never studied pitchers. He did not learn what he was up against, but he played PlayStation. So between La Plaquita and PlayStation, that's where he got his famous swing. Um, and I guess the, the only other thing to say with him being the first Dominican hitter to get into Hall of Fame is he's right, or, right away saying, we've got more coming. We've got Beltre. We've got Pujols and David Ortiz. And so he sees this at, as the beginning. He's opened the door. Exactly. Very cool that Guerrero got in on his second ballot. A lot of players take a lot longer than that to get in. In fact, Players get five chances. Their names can appear on five ballots. If they don't get the percentage they need to make it into the Hall of Fame after five ballots, they're out and they've lost their chance. Surprisingly, maybe not so surprisingly, both of my boyfriends got in on their first ballot. Oh, it is a pretty big deal. You totally upped me there. Both of them. And may I just say that Potty Mouth assigned my boyfriends to me. So, oh, to me, like Tony. (laughs) Oh, oh, I see where that's going. But it was thoughtfully assigning because I know that you have personal connections to each of these boyfriends. So I when do. I saw these two names, I immediately thought, these are Patty's guys. We might call them love-hate relationships yes. because the first one is Chipper Jones, who I have referred to in earlier episodes as a bully. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So my cha- the challenge presented to me was sell him as boyfriend material. So the way I'm going to do that is ignore the fact that his one and only World Series ring was when the Indians appeared against them in the World (laughs) Series for the first time in decades. So that was the ring that I wanted my Indians to have, but the the Braves won it in six. Chipper Jones is the only one of the four inductees to actually have a World Series ring, and he got it in his rookie year. But I'm not going to say that because I want to say positive things about Chipper Jones. He's got a World Series ring. That's awesome. 
He spent 18 years with the Braves. And you know, I love the guys who are the face of a franchise, who stick it out, who are loyal, who get the opportunity to be loyal to their team. Even when it's the Braves. Even when it's the Braves. Because I'm going past that because he's my boyfriend now. You're big. Right? He's my, okay, I can do this. I can. He he was an eight-time All-Star and he was with the Braves for 11 straight division championships. You're doing great. Okay, thank you. See, he's spectacular. You got it. He's absolutely spectacular. He was also one of the greatest switch hitters of all time, a 303 average and 468 home runs as a switch hitter. That's incredible. That's a big deal. So his ballots, he appeared on 97.2% of the ballots that, that returned is him. crazy. It's number two in history only to Ken Griffey Jr. So wow. he grew up with Mickey Mantle as his idol, even though Mantle stopped playing before he was born. But it was his dad's favorite. And Chipper is actually Larry Jr. He was Chipper because he's a chip off of Larry Sr.'s block, which is kind of <laughs> kind of awesome <laughs> and kind of let's just go with Chipper. On I want to say adorable. So, so anyway, his percentage of votes to get in the Hall of Fame were higher than those of Mickey Mantle. He had the opportunity to meet Mickey Mantle at an autograph session a couple of years before he started with the majors with the Braves. And this was one of the things that actually sort of endeared me to my new boyfriend. He's my boyfriend. Uh, He spent, he was awake all night before he met Mickey Mantle trying to rehearse what he was going to say to him when he met his idol. And then he (laughs) choked and said something completely different, but I love that he was really worried about it and, and fretted the whole thing. I could see us doing something like that when we meet our boyfriends. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the other another endearing thing, we already talked about the uh, chipper rescuing Freddie Freeman on, on the on the all-terrain vehicle in, in the snowstorm. So that would have won me over, too. So that's a good one. That was in a previous episode. So I'm just going to tell you three quick little things about Chipper. His walk-up song was Crazy Train. He has me right there. Right? That is an amazing... I, I have not heard a better walk-up no, song. No matter how you feel about the song itself, it does the job. It is perfect walk-up song material. It intimidates. It gets the crowd going. It's perfect. So there's that. Ozzy Osbourne. The yeah. other two things were actually specifically about getting into the Hall of Fame. So one of the first things he did, he credited his parents, of course. He grew up in a tiny little town. So he autographed a baseball for each of his parents that said, we did it. Hall of Fame 18. Oh, family stuff. I mean, because family stuff, and I love family stuff, and also hometown stuff, because he wrote this love letter to the Braves, to the Braves fans, which we're going to post about how important they were to him and how he did, in fact, grow up in what he called a one-stoplight town. And he actually practiced in the backyard with PVC pipe. So he's like the only you know, American-born player that we've talked about that actually has any chance of replicating what you've talked about with a lot of our Latin American players, you know, with the, you know, with the sticks and the bottle caps and all of that. That's kind of how he grew up in his backyard. But he went on and because he was in, in Atlanta for so long, he would meet people who said, we plan our days around what time the Braves are playing. Thank you for that. And it was, uh-huh. it was really sweet. And he gave the credit to his family. He gave the credit to his fans. And he wasn't so much of a bully. I also read some personal life things about him, which um, I'm not going to talk about. I'm going to be very selective in what I tell you because I want him to still be my boyfriend. If you want to look up his personal life and see why I still think he's kind of a bully on the side, you feel free to do that on your own time. But I'm going to stick with Chipper Jones as my Hall of Fame boyfriend. God, that is so hard to say. We'll have a beer with him at the ballpark and then let him go on his way. 
Well, he's also friends with my other boyfriend, which also helps win me over. So I'll tell you about that in a minute. Who else do you have? So my boyfriend number two is also not a first time inner. He's uh, it's his third ballot, which actually is pretty decent considering the situation. It's Trevor Hoffman, who's fifty years old, so right in my ballpark in right the now. Ballpark, I love it. <laughs> so I, I, I'm thinking this is a good matchup. Um, he was a closer for the Padres from '93 to '08. So again, somebody who stuck with the team. He actually wanted to retire with the Padres. Padres. There was some sort of problem the last year where they had to dump a bunch of money and they couldn't pay him what he should have been paid. And they lost him for his last two years of pitching. Kind of sad, but he still goes in with the Padres cap on because that was his team for so long. And he really represents this boost for the town of San Diego. San Diego's been having a hard time lately. They haven't been coming anywhere near playoffs for for many a moon. So him going in now is really big for the city. Um, I think, as you were talking about Crazy Train, the thing that endears me to Hoffman the most is that his uh, come out of the bullpen song was Hell's Bells, ACDC. <laughs> which, which, which Chipper Jones admits is the only walk-up song that's better than his. You know, I disagree with him. I really, I'd go for Crazy Train more, but... I didn't know about that when I read Hell's Bells, and I thought, this is the way to go. Um, He has, when he retired, he had the most saves in Major League Baseball. Since then, Mariano Rivera has eclipsed him, so now he has the second most saves, which kind of shows us that Rivera is a shoe-in to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, there's no doubt. When he gets there in a couple years. Oh, and, and the interesting thing about I don't know if it's a rivalry, but the two of them actually faced each other in the 98 World Series, and the Yankees swept the Padres. Oh. So I think Rivera definitely has his path into the Hall of Fame. Um, but that brings up the issue of a reliever coming into the Hall of Fame, which I thought is kind of interesting that Hoffman is actually only the sixth reliever in the Hall of Fame. And the measurement that we think of with relievers is saves, right? And right, he has the yeah. second most saves in history. But if you think about it, a save is not really as pure, I don't know, of a statistic as other things that we're talking about. Because what if you're a reliever for a team that has a phenomenal year and their starting pitching is fantastic and you just don't have save opportunities? Right. If you don't get a chance to play, you don't get a chance to prove yourself. And it's not your fault that you are not playing. You're not playing because other people are doing so well, they don't need you to come in and rescue them. Right. And I actually just finished, I finished a book. I finished the book Head Game by, by, I'm by so proud. I'm so proud Roger Khan. And it's, it's phenomenal. And I'll definitely go into it again in future episodes. But it talks about how pitching has changed so much over the years. And in the early days, there was barely any relief. People, and, and not even that early, not even that long ago, that pitchers were just expected to go all nine innings. So this measurement for relief pitchers is a little iffy. At the same time, I think if relievers are going to go in, Trevor Hoffman has shown his worth. And um, third time, not too bad. Patty Mouth, did you know that I lived in San Diego for a handful of years? I do remember that. Yeah, so I'm feeling like I have two hometown guys going to the Hall of Fame. I, I got Trevor Hoffman. And I have Jim Tomey, who played for the Indians. Even bigger and better, yeah. So in the love-hate equation here, Jim Tomey is all the love. All the love. I found it kind of cool that he's not the first member of his family to be in a Hall of Fame. Really? Really. His aunt is in the Women's Softball Hall of Fame. You can't get any cooler than that. The only thing cooler than that is in the little town in Illinois where he grew up, there's a caterpillar plant. 
and his grandmother was hired to work there just so she could play on their softball team. That's so <laughs> Isn't cool. that awesome? That is awesome. I'm so happy about that. So Jim Tomey has played professional baseball, major league ball, for 22 years. Kind of makes wow. him a poster boy for designated hitter, right? Because he was a power hitter the whole time. And as he got older, he was able to DH. Every once in a while, he'd go out and play first base at that point. But, you know, latter years, he was DHing. He started with my Indians and my prime time with the Indians. He played at the Indians for, for 91 to 2002. Ooh. And then he went all over the place. He was in Philadelphia. He was at the White Sox. He was Dodgers. He was Twins. He was Cleveland again for a year. He was Philadelphia again. And then he also finished with the Orioles. But he didn't go in to the Hall of Fame as an O because God bless the Cleveland Indians. They signed him for a one-day contract in August of 2014 so he could be a Cleveland Indian one more time and he could officially retire as a Cleveland Indian. That's good. That's a team with a lot of good good vibes out there. When he went back for that his second very short stint with the Indians, I have I have a, a YouTube video of this. It's a crappy little video of him at his first at bat in a Cleveland Indians uniform in like 2011 since 2002. Standing ovation, everybody waving, Aww. welcome home. And home is spelled Tommy with like a little, uh, if you can write a silent T, they wrote a silent T. And it just, everybody went nuts to welcome so him cool. back. So that was very, very cool. But let me tell you about actual baseball prowess here. Absolute power hitter. He holds the record for career walk-off home runs in all of Major League Baseball. That's an awesome statistic. So he's got 13, right? We call the Nationals' Ryan Zimmerman Mr. Walk-Off. He's got 10. Getting he, close. He's still playing. It could still happen for him, but if we're calling him Mr. Walk-Off at 10 and Tommy's got 13, you know who's got 12? You know he was tied with before he got his 13th? He was tied with Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Jimmy Fox, Dan Musial, and Frank Robinson. Impressive company. Impressive company. Now he's ahead of all of them. He hit 612 home runs, Whoa. which puts him eighth in all-time home run numbers. And even cooler, 40 or mo more home runs in each of six different seasons. That's kind of spectacular. And we talked on our last episode about you know the longest home run ever at Nats oh, yeah. Park. Jim Tomei has the longest home run at a progressive field, which is where the Indians play. 511 feet, and that record has held since 1999. That's some staying power. So that's pretty cool. His batting stance is actually is, is pretty notable because he doesn't do all this, you know, tap here, tap there, click on this, swing on this. He stands perfectly still, and he points his bat out to center field. And his batting coach taught him this to get him to hit to all parts of the ballpark because the way he used to line up was, you know, he'd always hit to the same place so people could defend against him. Turns out his batting coach stole it from the movie The Natural. Gotta love it. But it works. It totally works for him. And I want to tell you just how great a guy he is personally. Everybody loves him. I've seen quotes. Oh, he's the nicest guy in the world. There was a sports writer in for Philadelphia Magazine who was talking about his chances for the Hall of Fame. And he said this. He said, Tommy is the rare athlete who played in several cities and was beloved everywhere he went. I saw the Twins and Phillies play each other in Philadelphia when Tommy was with the Twins, and the same two teams in Minnesota two years later when Tommy was, was a Philly, and the opposing crowd cheered Tommy both times, even when he hit home runs for the road team. 
Wow. And Philadelphia fans are tough. They're tough. And 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 then they they sustain the love for him no matter where he went. And I think one of the reasons is he's a real good community guy, but he doesn't just stick with the community he grew up in or lives in at any given time. Every time he's moved to a different city, and as you heard, he moved to several different cities, he maintained relationships with one or more organizations in that town to help them fundraise, to help them do good work right there at the at the community level. That's big boyfriend material that we've, that we've talked about a lot in what we're looking for in baseball boyfriends. So I'm really proud of him. He got in on the first ballot. He got in as a Cleveland Indian, which makes my heart just swell with joy. And he weirdly is good friends with Chipper Jones, my other Hall of Fame boyfriend. They played against each other in the minor leagues. They came up together. I was going to say, aren't the Indians-Braves rivalry thing part of the love-hate situation? The four inductees were asked... You know, what would you rather have, Hall of Fame? Would you rather be voted into the Hall of Fame or would you rather play in a World Series? And Chipper said, oh, I'm glad I don't have to answer that. And then put his <laughs> arm around Jim Tomey. He said, that's because of 9 to 5 when you beat us. There is a YouTube video that I'm going to post about Chipper and Jim being driven around New York in their new Hall of Fame jerseys talking about the good old days. And one of the stories they tell is when they were in the minor leagues and they were on opposing teams and they were involved in a bench-clearing brawl. And another news report said Manny Ramirez, who played both for my team and yours, was also involved, but I couldn't back that up anywhere. So we're going to move along on that one. Another Hall of Fame member, though. Is he? Oh, wait, wait, not Manny. Sorry, not wrong Manny. one. Uh-uh. No, no. But, and maybe I, No, I don't know. I don't, that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. It, oh, and actually, which reminds me that Jim Tomey played at the same time where a lot of the steroid stuff was going on, and he had the same kind of numbers as the guys who were using steroids, and he never used them and was never even, no one even thought that he might be using them. So he's one of those guys that, yeah, you just do it because you work hard. That's how you get there. But yeah, we're going to post this story about this bench-clearing brawl where Chipper refers to Jim Tomey's hand on his neck as the hand of God came down and stopped me from getting involved in this. Oof. There were some people who didn't get into the hall. Well, you mentioned the steroid issue. Yeah. That still has not been broken, and that's a really big issue to continue to talk about, whether this is just a blacklist. Like, is Bonds just not going to get in? Clemens? I mean... And some of these guys are people... Other people will say they're the greatest ball players of all time, but they were either accused or proven to be using steroids, so people are not going to vote for them. And the other thing about that is a lot of people are saying that they what they did to get them into the Hall of Fame, they did before their steroid use. The steroids came in... When they started slipping and couldn't deal with it. And they needed an extra boost. And they didn't want to lose their power. They were used to being at the top of the game, being these super power hitters, and they were losing it. And age was hitting. And so where do you judge them from? I wonder how that is going to play out. There's also a lot of new statistics that are coming into play that are preventing other players from being recognized, like, may I just say, love of my life, Omar Vizquel. And that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because his wins against, uh, above replacement numbers aren't that great, but everything else he did was fantastic. So if you're going to use this relatively new statistic, he's not going to fare well. And the sports writers are saying, oh, well, Omar was great at this, but his WAR is not so good. And so I fear for my, my, my love, Omar, not getting in. So there's stats. There's how you feel about steroids. That's when do these things take place. So it's a very subjective kind of vote that happens for the Hall of Fame. 
And and it brings a lot back to the teams. Teams get a lot of pride, and we feel pride when we see players that we care about their teams going into the Hall. There are still four teams left without Hall of Fame, and one is one that we care about an awful lot. Well, the, the Marlins, the Rockies, the Rays, and our Nationals, who granted, fairly new team, but it'll be a great day when we can have a party in downtown D.C., it will. I want the World Series parade first, and then okay. in a few years, I want to celebrate the the Hall of Fame inductions of Nationals players. Also, you have to be retired from Major League Baseball for five years, yeah, that cuts and the Nats pool. are only 10 years old. So it's going to be a little while till we get somebody there. So that's been our very special episode of Hall of Fame Boyfriends. We'll be back at our usual time with our good stories. We have some things happening. The stove is heating up. We have some trades to talk about. So I'm I'm very excited for our upcoming episode in just a few days. You'll hear from us soon. In the meantime, if you like what you heard, subscribe, please. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll talk to you next time. Say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. I did not share the po- the part where um, Chipper Jones cheated on his first wife with a Hooters waitress.